I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza. I'm Alan Rickards. Your last name is Rickard? And we are the hosts of Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza. I'm Alan Rickards. And this is Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. With Jen on the ether. Hi. And a smoke detector that is dying. Uh, our guests this week, Good two time. guests from the same episode. Chris Marshall, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And Taylor Nichols, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So, Chris, you co-wrote yes. this episode I with Sam Johnson. I co-wrote this episode with Sam Johnson, my longtime writing partner. And Taylor, you play the Rocket Fuel rep. The Rocket the Fuel rep, right. I didn't know you wrote it. That's yeah, great. No, I, <laughs> I, I no, said to Jason beforehand, like, Sam and I were so excited to have you yeah. on. I, I watched it the other day. Uh, Jason sent it to me, and it's it's a funny show. Yeah, man. you you did good work. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, on that show. I was like, I was watching it. I was like, oh, we actually wrote parts of this. <laughs> <laughs> when when Brian Kelly signed my uh, script of Arcade, he he just signed it. Brian Kelly. I actually wrote some of these jokes. So yeah. that does seem to be the common theme among writers. And yeah, no, like as like I was saying earlier, you know. I always felt like Paul could have written the whole series by himself. Mm-hmm. Like if it were like a British show uh-huh. with fewer episodes, I oh, think sure. he totally would have. It would have been just his baby. But yeah. although I think he liked, I feel like he liked having us around mm-hmm. because then who are you going to play Halo with <laughs> yeah. if you write it by yourself? Like British showrunners don't have somebody to that is very play true. Halo with. That is true. What was also, sh- they want to play Halo now. Right. What, what was your position? How, how good were you as, as in, in, on the video games? Oh, I, I was terrible. Uh-huh. And Josh Lieb and I would sit there and watch them play. And Josh called us, uh, we were the frag hags. <laughs> did of you, course he did. Did you wow. not fare well in the, the Doom tournament? No, I didn't, I didn't play. I was so terrible because I never played video games. And they got like NHL 98. And I'm like a big hockey fan. Mm-hmm. So I thought, aha, you know, I know the rules. <laughs> and then like I would play with Sam. Like who like doesn't know the rules, and I'm like losing ten to one. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's fine. Sam and I did get a foosball table. Really? Because that is our game. That's how we started working together in college. Uh-huh. Was playing foosball. <laughs> and, that's how everybody started. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so I actually think the show bought us that foosball table. Really? That's phenomenal. Yeah. I think when, I think when did the show go off the air? When, when ninety-eight was the last was the last season. So. And when did it start? Ninety-five. Oh, only three years? Well, if it, no, sorry, it was five seasons. So it was oh. 95, 95, 96, 96, 97, 97, 98. Sorry, ninety-nine. Yeah, it was ninety. Why did I say that? It was ninety-nine. Yes, because, okay. right. Because then, duh. Because then I, we had to write a like. Sam and I went to Frasier, mm-hmm. and one of our like first assignments was like writing a millennial. A white their Y2K episode. Of course. So that's the, that's how I figure out. It's like, oh Holy right, shit. we like, you know, one of our first assignments was mm-hmm. Y2K, so that makes it 99 2000, and then yeah, oh my god, how many sitcoms had that as a thing? Do you know? It was not uh, very Y2K. It was not about Y2K. Okay, okay. But it was sort of like, where are we going to celebrate the New Year's, Niles? Of, you know, new millennium, and so mm-hmm. then they wind up in an RV, and then oh yes, and I do this is like a, such a classic. Chris Lloyd device, but there's an identical RV parked outside the diner, and Niles 
is not feeling well, so he's taken a lot of like sleeping pills. He's like uh, medicated, and mm-hmm. he gets in the wrong one. So now they can't be together for the new millennium because Niles is in a different RV. Yes, I recall this episode, and I, I feel like that, that is such that is so Chris and Joe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whose idea was Rock the Office Feud episode? Was it uh, was it just a group effort first, or did you? No, I will it? actually say that I think it was a Sam pitch. But at the start okay. of the start of pre production, you would send a bunch of, you know, because we did everything on paper, even though we were all in the same office mm-hmm. or you know inter office email, mm-hmm. and uh, like that's the thing about this episode is is like. Not only did we get the writing credit, but we actually came up with the idea of Rocket Fuel. Because I remember, I think it's Sam's. It's like it was on our pitch list mm-hmm. of like, and this was also very characteristic of Paul, because it was all like the whole pitch was, uh, Catherine is upset at huh. Bill pitching a new sponsor, Rocket Fuel Malt Liquor, mm-hmm. and Paul wrote back, he's like, I like this idea, and he had all the beats, Jesus, like just like it was like the whole like. You know, I think it's the same beats there in the show. Uh huh. And wow. so then, and I think I'm remembering this right, because that was summer in pre-production, and we mm-hmm. would, and we wrote that script with different other stories. And NBC was like, "You can't do this." Really? <laughs> <laughs> or like they didn't like it. it. Was sort of like took it took a while to persuade them, which okay. is why it was filmed so late. Oh, yes, because this is an out-of-order one, right? Yeah, and I think, because I feel like it was... It's, it's Why didn't later. they want you to do it? What was I the... felt like, I think they didn't... Too ethnic? I mean, it was like, too, was that... I think it was like a little too wow. ethnic. Or maybe wow. there's another story they didn't like in it. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was worth it. I said to Sam, I remember, because it was at the table. And NBC was like, we have some issues. <laughs> one of the things that was great about us always being chronically way behind in scripts is that you got fewer notes? Uh huh. Uh-huh. Because like it's like it's either this or like you're gonna have an audience look at an empty stage on uh-huh. Tuesday night. So, um, uh, but I remember coming back after the notes with Sam. I said it was worth it just to hear Phil do that. Oh, yeah. totally. Oh. Phil makes it. Yeah. 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 No, I mean well, you wouldn't pitch it except it was except you had Phil. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to remember, I, I, this is one, and we talked about this with Paul Sims, this is one that stuck out to me, while I always call Arcade my favorite, and it probably is, yeah. uh, this is one that stuck out with me in terms of sheer just dialogue joy, to the point where in high school yes. I had my dictaphone that looked just like this one, right. recorded it off the TV, and brought it with me to my grandmother's house so I could re-listen to him doing that pitch, the yeah. Duncan pitch. Right. It was something very special. And that, me. I will say, maybe Paul sort of punch out, but that was mostly Sam, I think, who wrote those pitches mm-hmm. so except good. for like because paul's idea is the twist of it mm-hmm. is gaziza yeah yeah yeah. and so i think that was mostly paul or you know whoever was had that scene mm-hmm. and when we were doing rewrites and stuff but the first two are mostly sam and the thing i will take the credit for is coming up with damn for the tagline <laughs> <laughs> i think i wrote damn. one word in it <laughs> It's a good one. Too. It's a good. It's a good one because you know I worked in advertising, so I was like, you know, super clever tagline, mm-hmm. and then it all sounded awful or to me, you know. And then like I was like, was like watching something and reading something where somebody's like, "Damn!" I was like, "There you go." <laughs> 
Well, uh, Taylor, do you, uh, what, what do you remember about Phil Hartman like working on this episode? Uh, well, <laughs> Phil was great. Um, you know, one of the the lessons that he sort of taught me in my brief stint on the show was, you know, when you when you play drunk, you actually play against being drunk. You know, you try to play sober, yeah. and, and he did that so well, walking up the stairs trying Aww. to contain his his uh, rocket rocket yeah. fuel. You know, his ro- yeah, his rocket fueled uh, fueled. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, so good. But he, he and I had a, had a friend in, in common, so uh, it, it's always kind of weird showing up on someone else's set when you're a guest star. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he was very open and very, very gracious because we had this friend in common. I, I guess he probably was, was anyway, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, we, had, we had a lot of fun. All my stuff is with him, so uh, it was just a lot of fun to work with him and uh, to watch him and uh, learn the lesson of, you know, when you're drunk, play sober. That's and that's brilliant. a good lesson, I think. Yeah, right. it is. Yeah, it's like yeah. physical comedy. Like you don't want to fall. Right. Exactly. Right. right. Rather than trying to fall, that's what yeah. people always, you know, play. They always try to play off balance or something like that when they're mm-hmm. drunk, or they try to slur their words when they're playing drunk. And mm-hmm. it's the opposite. You know, you're trying to get all of your enunciations <laughs> proper. Mm-hmm. And your mouth is very, very dry. I've never <laughs> seen anybody right. play that it's ever so as a drunk. Good. Just that he's doing that thing with his cheeks and. Yeah. I'm just trying so hard to work yeah. through it. Yeah. <laughs> and his timing's different. Like yeah. he's he's sitting there trying to seem like a dignified person still. Right. But his speed is a little different because it's harder for him to keep his thoughts straight, so he has to like slow it down to yeah. make sure he's still making sense and like go over what he's saying in his head before he says it a little bit more. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that was great to watch live, I and like imagine. in rehearsal, because you know Phil, you know, like, you know, if you didn't change it, you know, Phil knew exactly what he was going to do mm. at the table, because uh-huh. he had come with this huge loose leaf notebook, and he's got like his scene and each thing is it there, and like he just really wow. was like, okay, really, but Wait, you so know, you a lot of times, a lot of times, so, uh, you know, for the tables especially, you know, we hadn't, we had just finished writing it two hours before. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he had to come, and I had a friend who'd worked on SNL, Ian Maxim Graham. Okay. Yeah. And um, we got the news radio job, and he said, Phil Hartman is the best cold reader you will ever meet. Mm-hmm. Which was true. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah, you could give him like three quarters of a page. Yeah. You know, it was like those rocket fuel things, and just like, boom. <laughs> so good. Wait, so he is would, it, you said he had a loose leaf note, but was, so was he there taking binder, detailed notes? He would notes? have all, he would, yeah, he would Holy basically crap. like work everything out. I, I, wow. I want to know what those notes looked like. That's, I don't know that's... if he took notes somewhere. Okay, I don't okay. remember seeing him take notes. Maybe not. But I think, like, but I think it just was very, like, you know, super, you know, because it's regimented. all. I mean, that's the thing I think that everyone loved about Phil was like the details, you know, yeah. like the details were exactly right. Mm-hmm. He really bolted them out. The other thing about Phil that I always loved was without breaking character or like peeking around his character mm-hmm. I always felt like his pleasure in acting like I always felt that mm-hmm. okay. you know? saying, yes, absolutely. like somebody yeah. who really enjoyed, enjoyed it, it and, yeah. enjoyed it without like in fact the sort of the more committed he was to the mask of the character mm-hmm. the happy it was just like it was a it's an unusual quality I don't feel like you see it a lot to the to, to the same degree well, he doesn't. Think... He doesn't. He didn't. He wouldn't wink at the audience. Yeah. He would just go for it. Yeah. Right. And uh, that that's such a great great quality. I think. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Right. And his his yeah his zest for 
doing that. Mm -hmm. Even playing the most damaged character on the show, it's still a yeah. joy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, that, and I think it's one of the things that probably hooked me on the show as a kid. It's just like, I, I think originally I used to just make, assume, put him in the line of like my favorite characters who were assholes with a heart of gold, like Phil right. Silvers, then uh, then Alan Brady on Dick Van Dyke. And right. his was up there with, with all of them. But there is, you're right, there's something else in it, the, the joy of playing it, that I don't know how that comes through without, again, without a wink. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. It was, it's, an unusual, it's an unusual quality. I don't think you can, I don't think it's conscious. Mm -hmm. Which I think is what makes it an unusual quality. Is like I think like you can't help it, right? And you know what? What year was was he killed? Ninety eight. Ninety eight. Wow. May so it was right at the end of that. Then. Yeah. No. It was yeah. yeah. Right after they killed so the final clearly episode. Clearly, end of that. End of season four. Yeah. No, yeah. I remember because it was yeah we were about to come back for pre production. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I remember hearing about it like I was like going to a doctor's. Oh, uh, it's just hundred. such an awful story. Yeah, I'm no, sure you guys like, talk about this. We we often we go podcast, out of our way not, not, to, not to, to. I'm sorry. No, right? no, no, no. Oh, great to have you on, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> no, just not to bring it down, but it, it's going yeah. to come up We're at some going point. We're going to have yeah. to. Two, and when we have well, to. Well, when you get to your season five episodes, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, going to be rough too because season one is. I don't think anybody from the show is going to want to do that episode, and I understand that. I understand that. Unless oh, the, they the, do. The, the, Bill moves on. Bill moves on. Yeah. I mean, that's all Paul. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's just like that really should be Paul. Sure. Yeah. Or if Josh, was or Josh to, Lee. Yeah. But I'm guessing neither of them would want to. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if know. they would want to do it in a podcast form. I wouldn't want to. Form. I, wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe. You know. That's, it's going to be. Know, it's a chance to talk about it and a yeah. chance to, to honor Phil and his For work sure. and his legacy and. Yeah. Uh, and his spirit. I mean, he was really a, a generous spirit, and that's what I think I was trying to get at mm -hmm. early yeah. on when he was so welcoming to me. Mm -hmm. Everybody was. Dave was, and and uh, Vicky was. I mean, everybody was. Stephen, uh, Candy. Uh, so it, it, it was it was a very open, fun set. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're not always that way. Yeah, I know you hear a lot of stories comedies. about shows where people are kind of just shoved off to the side. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm doing my thing here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, you know, I, I, when I watched the show, I, I realized there's only two guest stars in that episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, so it's that main core that, that do all of the heavy lifting week after week after week. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, so a, a guest star comes in and either gets a prime little bit mm -hmm. or is kind of pushed off to the side. And uh, this was a very open, fun set. And I think yeah. that has a lot to do with the writers and the director and, and certainly the stars of the show. Mm -hmm. Did you? Yes, go ahead, Alan. Sorry. Oh. I was just going <laughs> to say, uh, uh, I remember the first time I saw this episode, I was actually pretty intimidated by you, like, just putting Bill in his place. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like about the guy is, is, is he thinks he has a little bit of cred, too. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> right. He, he's, he thinks he has a little bit of street yeah. knowledge. <laughs> but uh, oh, oh, woefully, he does not, I yeah. don't think. Yeah, that was one of the things, like, Sam and I, because, you know, we had loved Metropolitan and Barcelona. And so we were really excited to have you. Well, thank you. Because we were like, we overcast this part. Right. You know, we're just like, we don't need somebody right. this good. So it's great, right. yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like, because you get, a, I think you get a little more, you know, just like, again, it's a little more sort of detailed. To mm -hmm. it yeah, I mean, then you would then then you might expect in a part like that. That we, it was kind of fun when we talked about the episode with the three card money dealer because the gentleman who played the three card money dealer was in a friggin' Spike Lee movie and had like also <laughs> right. just like tons of great credits. He was yeah. a new kid, but he's like he just brought whatever that was. It was I don't know gravitas or just sheer experience yeah. to yeah. it. He and stuck out though. Yeah, yeah. and you didn't you don't always get those. You get people who really want to play the comedy, who yeah. really want to get stuck noticed. Out, like you, there's just yeah. some that you picked so well that you notice and remember them even though 
Yeah. Like that guest star was only on screen for such a short amount of the episode, but you remember some of them because they're just. Well, my my feeling about some of that is is, and I feel like it's getting more this way in the last ten fifteen years. They there's there's a lot of puzzle piece casting Mm -hmm. where they have to cast the character rather than the actor, and I think when you cast the actor. You open it up a little bit more, and the actor can feels more comfortable to bring more of their own selves to the work. Okay. Mm-hmm. As opposed to we need a, a tall guy here or oh, a sure, fat sure. guy there or whatever it is, you know, or, or just any any certain quality. Rather than just casting that quality, cast the actor who who embodies that quality, mm-hmm. and then allow them a little bit of space to create on their own. Um, and I think. You know, more and more, we are losing that. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, 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 puzzle piece casting is, is what comes to my mind a lot is, you know, they need this type. Mm-hmm. So that's what they do. And I think good shows don't do that. I think good right. shows cast the actor and let the actor right. explore the role uh, a little bit. And if it doesn't work, then, yeah. you know, just do it this way, man. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but usually they find a little other color that the writer has allowed them to find. Yeah. I think I think good writing and good directing gives room for everybody to bring something unique to the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always felt in casting, especially like parts like Taylor's, mm-hmm. like when you you know because I was not in that casting session. I think Julie was probably the writer's uh-huh. representative in casting on that show. But on other shows, you know, you're the the episode writer is usually doing casting or. Like on Hot in Cleveland, we would watch. We would like do it. If we, you know, as a video, so the room would watch it. Okay, yeah. But like, I always felt like a good actor does oh, it the way. Is that what happens when it's on video? The whole room well, watches it. Are, <laughs> I did not every know that. Every showrunner is different. Every showrunner right. is different. And so Suzanne Martin, who did Hot in Cleveland, right. liked to have the whole room weigh in. I think on bigger parts, like if you're casting, like oh, this person's doing like a three episode arc. Right. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, like Suzanne might like do that more herself of like, mm-hmm. I have a definite, yeah, I really have a very specific mm-hmm. thing. Um, but if it's a thing of like, somebody's going to come in and do this, um, a part like Taylor's, um, she would have the whole room kind of weigh in partly because like, if the room's laughing at what you do, right. yeah. it's like, right. okay, you know, it works. Yeah. And it's also a thing where somebody might say, um, you know, you go with somebody else, but somebody might say, like, that person, you know, who is not getting the part, like, should come back for this, you know, we Great. have a part yeah. three episodes from now that, mm. that we should see that person for. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a good way to do that. But, you know, but I always felt like a good actor does the part the way you have in your head, and a really good actor finds something that you didn't put in it. Right. right. You know, right. or just like, there's just some little spin or something, and you can sort of go too far. Uh-huh. But it uh-huh. is, yeah. it's yeah. hard, it's finding the right level, but, um, but it is a thing of like, oh, you know, it's just like, they just like found a little, you know, something else. Nuance, in right? Yeah, mm-hmm. just the nuance yeah. or something. Yeah. They thought about it right. in yeah. a way, like, because I think that's one of the things you want out of a good actor is like when you're writing it, you're doing the whole thing. And then, you know, you're sort of outsourcing like some deeper thought about who this character is to the actor. Yes. You know, the yeah, actor yeah. is like thinking, you know, is like building stuff and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. along along those lines, I, I often think that the actor is the last line of honesty be, before the camera rolls. Mm-hmm. Meaning that the writers think about the story 
and they're you know they're they're thinking about the whole story you know the a and the b and the c storylines and 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 the arc of the season and all that stuff and the director's thinking about that episode and how we're going to film it and the customers thinking about you know the wardrobe you know design and all that but the actor comes in and they look at their part the last line of honesty you know would i enter the room under these conditions. Well, the writer says yes because he wrote it this way and the director says yes because he's lit it this way. But the actor there on the set in the moment is like, well, because it's dark out, maybe I wouldn't. Or, you know, I, I'm mm-hmm. making that up as an as an example. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I think that, that, that that's an important distinction that good actors bring to roles is they're the last line of honesty before the camera rolls. Mm-hmm. And when all falls into place, it, it goes right down the line and it makes sense to the writer and the director and the and the DP and everybody else. That makes right. sense. Right. One of the nice things about multi because you're seeing rehearsals mm-hmm. in a way that you aren't single cam right. is like I felt on news radio and like news radio was a, was a good point where like you would just say like they would pitch something they would do something mm-hmm. you know Tom would say they're going to do something you know or something uh-huh. and then you were just like you were like you know, and there was this, like, that was great. Like, I think that thing where they walk through the window mm-hmm. in Morning, Same Morning, Ralph, <laughs> yes, yes, came yes. from the stage. Really? Like, I don't think we scripted that. Right. Tom was like, they have a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because Dave obviously had written so much great comedy already. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Phil, you know, like Phil was, you know, legendary improviser mm-hmm. at Groundlink. So, like, there were people who, like, knew, you know. And so they did that. This is the way I remember it. And, you know, maybe I just was asleep when the bit was written and I hadn't read the script. But <laughs> I feel like they like they did that, which is like one of the best bits in the show. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that came from the stage. And Dave would pitch stuff, too. Is it nice to be able to give a, a little bit of that over to another group of people? I mean, it's, there are not a lot of shows that feel like a family where a lot of times you, you're going to feel like your toes are being stepped on if somebody does something that's better received than what you've written oh, or whatever. Nah, you know what I, I mean? Feel like, like, I feel like that's fine. I think as a writer, to me, like... And every show is different because sure. some show, some some showrunners are very specific, so they don't want that, or they like, you know, or they it's like if like don't show me and run through this pitch, tell mm-hmm. me this pitch, because I want to because in run through I need to see what we want. Yeah, what you've done. What and you've then written. and then sometimes maybe after you do a scene, there's like oh they have they're like they're gonna do this or like like Suzanne would say if you have a pitch, I will. I will look at it, but just write it in the script when we do the rewrite and we have the stage copy. Of oh, the I script. see. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll look at it. Wow. And you know, like on, on Cleveland, like Wendy Malick, who is the, that kind of feel like super precise mm-hmm. type of thing. Wendy would ask like the year we were running it. She was like, she would ask like, can I switch the order of these words? Cause it feels better. Mm-hmm. And we we're like, well, obviously you're so great. Sure. Right. You know, not everybody would, but um, well, that's I the thing about table like, reads. I, I yeah. always don't like it when when actors ad lib. Oh my god, table no. reads. Um, you oh, know, sure. even in dramas. Yeah, you know, wow. uh, and a lot of series regulars on dramas do because they feel like they know the character yeah. better or something like that. And sometimes they they do know the character very yeah. well, of course. But I, I feel like you know we have to see if it works yeah. as written, and then if we can improve it, best idea wins. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I yeah, and like on Fraser Kelsey would like because you know that was a character that you like you know on, you're talking about honesty makes me think of that because you know you would especially in the later seasons you know you would really be pushing Fraser because you know mm-hmm. two hundred episodes so right. like things get a little sort of yeah. you know characters get to the extreme you know the extremes and Kelsey 
where just just like no, sorry guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I just like I can't make myself do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that was fine because that was all he would say. Right, mm-hmm. and he you know at, at that point you know he trusted us to like okay we can fix you know sure fix it yeah, yeah. just fix it and so it's not like and so it's a, just very direct you know That's but it's not sort of like like because i feel like you know you hear tales of people who are like you're trying to sabotage me yeah 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 you know yeah. or something or mm-hmm. whatever that's just fear though for the most part yeah i think you know, so they're just i think scared. so but you know i was so he was so secure yeah mm-hmm. you know with us and us with him too so it wasn't sort of like oh my god you're wrong it's just like right yeah, of course Some i just of the... finished doing the the last tycoon and he was oh, yeah. on that yeah and I, I didn't have a very big part on it but uh, he was really wonderful on that yeah you know phil had that quality Mm-hmm. And I I got the impression that actually I think I read this in an interview about news radio that like Phil like because you know we were so haphazard in the writing of it compared to other shows mm-hmm. I think and Phil coming from SNL was totally used to it mm-hmm. and so he'd be like this is all gonna work out mm-hmm. it's, it's like you know by the time it's done it's gonna be fine yeah yeah, yeah. and I think because he was you know, he was like the most famous member of that cast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so I think like he really was and like older, mm-hmm. you know, like he and Steven were like the vets. Yeah. Right? And so they really I think they really kind of set the tone. Steven's having a nice run now in Get Out, right? Oh, I mean, oh yeah. yeah. And in Man Amazing. in the High Castle. Yeah. Oh, see, I he's seen that. really he good is... in that. Yeah. He's upsetting in both of them. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's ways. like, he's so fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, it's just like, because it's like, wow, you know, we were kind of lucky to get him when we did. For yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. it's one of those things where like, and I understand because Phil Hartman was my hero too. Yeah. I understand the circumstances behind why he is elevated to the level he is. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also Steven Root, who I do think deserves equal praise, you yeah. know, and yeah. at least he's he's working. So that's great. I'm glad yeah, that he's working. Yeah, yeah no, you know, and, he's yeah. a hero. No, that no, was no like, the whole cast was amazing, I thought. You know, yeah. I, Ridiculous. Joe Rogan yeah. was great in his role and mm-hmm. Vicky Lewis is great and was great is great in hers and mm-hmm. uh yeah. of course Dave Foley, so did were you am I remembering correctly that were you coming right off of Beavis and Butthead? We were coming right off of Beavis and Butthead. It's amazing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in fact, um, when we interviewed for the show, because uh-huh. Beavis was winding down, uh-huh. and How about and Sorry. so right. Sorry. And we had said to our agents because that was all New York. Uh-huh. We were living in New York, and uh, we said to our agents, "Well, we'll come out to LA for the right show because you know, yeah. and and you know, there's not so much work in New York. Mm-hmm. But we had written the pilot to Daria. Oh, and shit. so okay. and MTV wow. like took months and months and months to decide whether they were going to do it because they didn't okay. want to do it. Wow, really? Well, that's a whole different story, but it was so <laughs> conventional. Like it was so Oh, like, I see. It was just a show. Like our our literal model was Frasier. Mhm. And That's amazing. Okay. Um and so, but they so we came out and interviewed and Paul was like it was like the Monday after Thanksgiving. It was uh-huh. and so like people were just like coming back and like you know, like Brian Kelly would like wander into the office and they would discuss like, "Well, how was your break?" you know and then like and then like get back to us and paul was like um but paul was really paul had bought a beavis and butthead book uh-huh and so like asked us about that he was like he was a fan i think that's what yeah got us that and because awesome. we'd written a news radio spec okay and like he 
didn't read it until after we were hired. (laughs) (laughs) But he asked us questions from like the Star Wars trivia book. What? He's like, what? I don't know what to ask you. I haven't interviewed that many people, so he asked this question in the Star Wars trivia book. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> that and there's Star Wars <laughs> references. Oh no, that's the next episode. Never mind. The next yeah. one. But so, does that spec still exist? That's something I have to ask. Uh, our news radio spec. Yes. You know what? I I have I don't know because that was so long ago. I know that like my computer probably can't read the file. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And I had a lot of files like my or. My my basement in Brooklyn flooded, Ooh. and it's so a lot of stuff from the mm. early part of my career is okay. gone. I see. Well, if you find it, yeah. please desperately want to read it. But that's one where they're going to sell. Jimmy's going to sell the station to some Germans. So there's lots of you know jokes. You know, it's like come Horst, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations, Chris, because the Beavis and Butthead of News Radio, I'm the way I am today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes perfect yes. sense. Why does Beavis and Butthead? You know, like Sam and I were like on staff, but there were like a couple of people like who just contribute a lot of scripts. And one was this guy Larry Doyle, who's mm-hmm. you know quite a good writer. And uh, Larry, like one time we were like hanging out with Larry, and Larry's like, guys, we can sleep with any twelve-year-old boy in the country. That is that is the kind of people I expect to work on that show. Right. Yeah, that's fun. I like too that Paul Sims is just like, oh, you know what? I I like this show. I'm just gonna nab two people if I can from it. Did, were you watching? Did you watch news radio before? Like, were you a we fans watched of it? it. We yeah, you know, it's on. Like, you know, it had just been on for those six episodes in April. Mm-hmm. You know, April mm-hmm. May. Mm-hmm. So like, we sort of like. We kind of watched it. it. Was not like with a lot of press or something. Sure, sure. Um, and you know, it wasn't like now where like, um, they're like, you know, go and watch all the news radios before you go out there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but we would watch like the fall ones, mm-hmm. you know, because that was that was for the back nine of season two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that goes st- back to that whole thing. Sorry, yeah. about, about actors though, in, in the sense of you know, don't hire the writer that's perfect for the show. Hire great writers, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll find. You know the the nuance of your show and yeah. all that kind well, of stuff. Well, Paul so. definitely like there was nobody who'd worked on a sitcom except Drake. Mm-hmm. Huh. Right, and they were all fresh. Right, they were all really huh. fresh from Letterman. There's right. Letterman. There, like I think uh, Brian and Lou had worked on SNL. Oh yes, right. And mm-hmm. Josh had done the John's the first John Stewart show. And Al Higgins wow. started with us. Mm-hmm. And Al had been on the John Stewart show. Okay, the first with a syndicated one. Yes, yes. All right, and um. Yeah, so that was like, that was the crew. That's a weird group of people to write. It a is sitcom. a weird and like yeah, Paul had the most because he'd done Larry Sanders. Mm-hmm. I think it honestly, and I've said it before, but I think it, it helps the fact that the show's kind of I'm probably using the wrong word here, but modular. Like everything does stand alone perfectly fine. It goes together because you've got a good showrunner, but like each individual thing is a solid sketch. Yeah, you know, really no, good. No, it was sketches. definitely it was definitely good sketches. It's also a lot easier to write it at the last minute mm-hmm. because you know when we went to Frasier, like Frasier was all about story construction. Sure, it's like this thing you're setting up in the B story mm-hmm. comes and flips the A story at a critical point and, you know, right. farce and, you know, yeah, all yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. And so that was an, like, you know, I mean, that was a culture shock. I bet. But I bet. when you're writing it and you like start this, you start it with, you know, eight hours to go. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like everything has to be in its own silo. 
did you okay now here's my question i know this is the first one i asked you to do but is, right. is there another news radio like that sticks out to you as an absolute favorite that... um i love arcade i mm -hmm. love um and i just really loved it was daydream uh-huh mm, i just oh, really yeah. that's really my favorite and that's almost all paul mm -hmm. um i mean i think we wrote individual scenes but okay. i think that was that seemed very paul-like to me mm -hmm. and that's sort of unusual for news radio in the sense of like this event affects everyone mm -hmm. and there's a lot of like intricate you know like it's it there's a little bit of a puzzle aspect to it or just like this trick mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. see here and there and it sort of ha goes in sequence and stuff like that and um i really like that one it's a solid episode yeah. we've yeah. already done that one right yes of course we did yeah yeah chronologically, yeah. chronologically would have had to um, how about what guy? We... You guys started on doing a podcast. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> I love people always ask because, that. because I've been listening to him lately. For uh -huh. like talking, Buster Keaton is a great podcast. My I've been listening our to buddy lately. Jeremy Guskin uh, is on that show. I or love at least that has show. Been. Yeah, I love it. Uh, oh, gosh, our man. buddy Jeremy Guskin is in a show with us called The Drinking Game every month, where we do drunk stage readings of '80s and '90s movies. Sometimes <laughs> later, uh, we where started do you do out. That? Uh, we do that now. We do it in Acme Hollywood. Sure. Uh, whenever the next one Let's is. Go back in March or April. Oh yeah! By the time this comes out, we might actually be. It'll be a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Don't know yeah, what it'll be. Fingers gotta, crossed. Yeah. Um, we actually you gotta have, be selling. We have uh, yeah. I know. We Always be closing. Go to a drinking game .com. Uh yeah. we, we have been telling them we want to do a round of news radio episodes, but we know they'll never do it. Um, <laughs> even though that's how we found out. A bunch of us backstage, like three, four, five of us, were quoting the show and I'm like, wait, there are other people who even know that this show yeah. exists. Because right, we thought it was our mind. own little pocket show that nobody yeah, else knew it, about. Nobody yeah. like I like I maybe you guys know why it is not findable except like people's it's on, YouTube. It's on Crackle. It's on Crackle? It's crackle. Yeah. One season at a time. It's garbage. Out of order. Out of order. Yeah, yeah. It's it doesn't, it's like, oh, hey, you know, we're gonna put up season two this month. Like it makes yeah. no sense. Like, that was one of the reasons in those days, like networks and, you know, your, your production company didn't want you to do arcs mm -hmm. if you could avoid it. For... I mean, you need a certain amount of arc because they knew the syndicators would air it out of order. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Well, and Paul was saying he didn't really like writing arcs that much anyway for the same exact reason. He he himself said he didn't he'd rather people watch them however they want to watch he them. Liked yeah. The standalones just he thought they were more fun too. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like... It was just yeah. like that was the very much the news radio ethos of like what is the funniest thing that can happen now in this point in the story. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. And so and that had a little like 30 rock always reminded me of news radio mm -hmm. in the sense of like that comedy writer's horror of genuine emotion uh, yeah. <laughs> you know that and then there are there are a couple times on 30 rock where they genuinely used a few news radio jokes i can't remember what they oh, are off yeah. the top of my head but yeah yeah. yeah no i was just like if yeah. you know if this had been in the single camera era community also in a yep. way reminded me of news radio yep. especially yes. when they canceled community mm -hmm. i was like yeah. if news rate if like twitter had been around when news radio got canceled yep. this is what it would have looked like oh, yeah. I, I agree yep. yeah it would have gotten picked up somewhere else all maybe. they had was this news group where it's an echo chamber and yeah. like you can see that stuff's all archived and if you look like at some point uh, -huh. uh the second it's canceled you see what happened what happened it's just all these you posts. know lou morton used to go on the news group uh-huh as and as a huge Bernie Brillstein fan, <laughs> it just looks like another great job by executive producer Bernie Brillstein. <laughs> of course he did. Oh, can I tell this other story about Bernie, please? Who like was hardly around, but my father looked a lot like Bernie Brillstein. Uh -huh. He was like a fat guy with like white hair and a beard and a like kind of jovial mm -hmm. aspect, and so. 
on two occasions, you know, my they lived in upstate New York, so they mm-hmm. would, you know, be out, you know, like once a year. And on two occasions, the first occasion, like my mother was down on the stage, like chatting with Phil, mm-hmm. and my father didn't want to go down the stage, so he just like, stood in the back. Uh huh. And so you know, like behind, like behind all the, you know, in the stands mm-hmm. in the back. So the show ends, and so my father comes down. And I introduce him to the cast, and I introduce him to Stephen Candy. And they're like, oh, thank God. We thought you were Bernie, and Bernie would not have been here except we were getting canceled. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> the pig slip. Right, because Bernie you would only see like at maybe the first table read. And, oh, my at God. The end. So then the other one is like, I think it was season five, because we had a different guy from NBC covering the show. Mm-hmm. So it's show night, so my father is down on the floor. And... The new guy is like, I think it's his first job covering a show for mm-hmm. NBC after, you know, sort of by himself. And he turns to my father and says, um, I think it's going pretty well, don't you, Mr. Burlstein? <laughs> <laughs> and father's like, oh, yeah, no, it's like, you got to keep the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the writers. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's really funny. That's so perfect. Uh, you know, you I said your dad prank everybody. Oh it? yeah, no, <laughs> no I actually like seriously. if he'd lived closer, I would have planned. I would have planned oh, yeah. it, but he doesn't look that much like Bernie up close. Like uh-huh. he's got these like blue eyes and stuff, yeah, stuff like that. But like, you know, yeah, I mean, it was sort of like bad on the on the NBC guy. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, up close they were not like I don't blame Steve and Candy because like they're he's in the back, he's not well lit. Yeah. yeah, no, it's exactly the place where he most resembles Bernie Brills. That is so funny. So, what's the first episode you wrote on? The first episode we wrote on was, oh my god, the like because I was so unused to the hours, it's really a blur. Uh huh. But um, I think it's the one where there's like one of the. Th- it's like who the hell cleaned out my desk? I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Mm. Whatever, because they were mm-hmm. also named. Weren't they naming them then after Led Zeppelin? It was probably yeah. one of the Led episodes. So yep. like, because yeah. like I think the feeling was, like, I think they realized like that that episode that idea was too clever by half when you couldn't remember what had happened yep. in Led Zeppelin box set. Uh huh. <laughs> right. Like yeah. Office Feud, it's like, oh right, okay, yeah, sure. The like you know he stomp it's the ceiling and he comes down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the original like. That story, there's a cabaret joke that I, it's yes, not there, in there. Mm-hmm. there uh, That's that was like my, that was like a joke I really remember liking in rehearsal. There is one cabaret joke, joke in this. Is, is there it an, yes. the Bill Common? Uh, yeah, because uh, I looked at a Daily Motion, so it must be a syndication. Oh, maybe. Cut. Okay, yeah. And I thought, Jimmy, oh, maybe they cut that joke. For no, yeah. Jimmy walks in and says, "I don't think the world's ready for your." Yeah, one no. Man. There's a maybe with the cabaret. Maybe we did. Maybe they took that one instead of the Bill Common one. Oh, you had another one. That was like not in there. Yeah, and it was like it was like a you know like the you know bienvenue Bill Common reference. I really like that. If that had been Frasier, that reference would have stayed. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Definitely. I, I guess in the the network is like, no, no, no. We know. No, the I think that, it was just. I don't know. It's like it's funny. such a it's such a five percenter, except especially for the news radio audience. Mm-hmm. Like on Frasier, mm-hmm. you could have done the joke Musical. about like the out of town tryouts. Yes, yes, yes. You know, yes, it's just course, sort of, of like course. any like kind of like you know. You know, the year Pacific Overtures came out. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> is there is there any for you as a writer? And I can't speak for Sam, but uh, it's one thing if you write something and become. I'm empowered part... to speak. For okay, Sam. good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's one thing to write something, I think, and then it turns into a full animated show or parts of it. But I mean, 
for me, because I'm a prop nerd, is there anything about, like, I created this fake product and then somebody just made this shit? Oh, no, that was, well, because we had worked, we'd worked on Beavis, mm -hmm. and before that we had worked at, like, the then very new Comedy Central. And we worked mm -hmm. for, like, a year and a half on this late night talk show called Night After Night with Alan Havey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, which was sort of, like, Letterman's like I, Letterman's twelve thirty show, but on a budget. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like it was like Letterman on a budget. Okay, yeah. so we okay. had hardly yeah. anything. Yeah, and and then you get to network, especially in those days, mm -hmm. and it is sort of like, oh, you know, like we need a scale model of the Oval Office, and then you walk down to the stage, and you know, it's stuff that mm -hmm, bad, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. but that kind of thing of just like, and it's still, I I am still blown away mm -hmm. that like you sort of say. You know, like in the sort of the first run through. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? We're gonna need a new. Like you're, we're gonna have to build a new set. Yeah. Or something. You know, like you come up with a different story or something. Right. And they do it. <laughs> and fast. I yeah. mean, relatively, right? And it looks great. Yeah. And like, you're right. And the sort of, because we had one guy like at Comedy Central who had to do all the props, but he had to do all the art direction and things like that. So it was oh. sort of like, it was hard, and um. And here, just like the, and just, I, and everywhere I've been in uh, shows out here, you know, just the level of attention of the departments, mm -hmm. like the craft level of the departments is where you heard, like we were talking before on the air of like Phil Silver is doing 45 episodes a year. Uh huh. I think that's one of the things is like you can't, you know, as there are fewer episodes, yeah. the craft in every department can be better. Yeah. That's true. And I especially, mean, you know, people had no expectation that, like, wardrobe would be nice, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know. And now I think in the HD era, I think even on Maltese. One thing that struck me rewatching that episode was, like, that show looks really good. Yes. You mm -hmm. know, even watching it on, you know, Daily Motion. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where you'd like to see it, you know, mm -hmm. in a way that I feel like even now Maltese, like, they look overlit. Yep. Yeah. yeah, you know it yeah. looks. It doesn't it's look. Weird. It looks like nice. they're trying to be sitcommy. Is that weird? Like it looks like they're trying to accomplish a look that never actually existed. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's easy. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, um, you know they were still shooting. I think they were still shooting on film. Mm -hmm. Yes, they were. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that is part of it. Is that it looks like a shot because now you have to make it look like you shot it on film. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're actually shooting in HD. You're always yeah, right. you're shooting on these. Or 4K, I assume. Yeah. Are there any 4K sitcoms? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about that crap. Um, so, um, yes, please. Speaking of art direction, and, and, and I know that you guys sometimes had um, <laughs> scripts that, I mean, almost all your scripts were, were much longer than what yes. actually got shot. Yeah. So, and you might have no recollection of this or you might but um i saw this i'm willing to manufacture a recollection. oh okay just make something up <laughs> yeah, make it exactly. interesting um so in the break room there is at least in this episode i haven't noticed it before so i don't know if it was something written and then cut for this episode there is a wall next to this painting and maybe the vending machine or something oh, that's right that has it looks like people have thrown like cups or cans of liquid at the wall many many times yeah, if i hadn't been able to find down. if i'd been able to find my my script for this episode <laughs> i could tell you yeah. but it seems given the way that story goes mm -hmm. it probably is from a scene cuz i felt like that was like you'd have sort of the nominal a story mm -hmm. 
I mean, this episode really is three B stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh-huh. actually Lisa's is even is just a runner. Yeah, like yeah. that's not even really a story because mm-hmm. that doesn't go anywhere. Go anywhere. Yeah. But um, you really have it. So I think Paul's thing because we would be like you know four minutes long, six minutes long, mm-hmm. and I think Paul's thing was like, you know, because so much of it is theme and variations in mm-hmm. the way the stories are constructed. Mm-hmm. I think Paul's thing was like. You know, we'll just like if one of these things turns out funnier, that'll get X beat that'll get like three beats yeah. or four beats. And the one that is not quite as good will get two beats. Mm-hmm. And that'll be the C story and this will be the B story or yeah. something like that. So stuff got cut out a lot. Was it like, like I've never been on a on any show since that on a multi that would be like four minutes over right or where is it do you think it would be common where it'd be easy to write around or shoot around or cut around an entire thing missing i mean maybe that happens a lot but well that's that does happen because like usually you're like two minutes and change like okay like when you go to editing like you don't want to be like 45 seconds over because then you can't cut anything that stinks yes yes so you know so you like generally i always felt like you wanted to be about two minutes over Mm -hmm. because that you you then felt secure about like you know, this joke doesn't work, you know, or like looking at it now, you know, when it's not production week, it's like, oh, that scene starts here and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh, to get it to time. One thing about Chuck Laurie is that he is so powerful that he can or just doesn't like a lot of those shows. He will deliver shows short to CBS mm-hmm. because he just is like, this is all that's the good part. And CBS is like, great, we'll sell more ads. Right, right, right. You know, <laughs> but on other shows that aren't so popular, mm-hmm. they're like. You know, we don't want to like. That's too many ads, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's sense. like we need a little more meat here. Mm-hmm. Do you think he farms out those title cards? What are what are no. our thoughts on that? He writes no. them all. I believe he does. That's yes. upsetting. I have like because like Sam and I just finished work on this show, Disjointed. That is mm-hmm. uh, the first and only season, but mm-hmm. um, on Netflix, and that was a Chuck show, mm-hmm. and he was not super involved it wasn't like his other shows like mom and stuff like that sure. it's mostly uh, david jabberbone and uh but like but i was in that building and i know people who work there i've never heard that he farms i think it's too personal to him yeah makes sense yeah um let's take a quick break oh, sure <sighs> am i out of shape who rubbed my lamp and wishes to get fit from Genie Ted Chambers? I didn't rub a lamp. Wish granted! Ooh. Welcome to the Ted Chambers Gym. Oh, wow, wait! Not only that, I will personally train each and every Ted Chambers Gym member. Aren't there like 50 locations? Shut up, man. Ted Chambers Gym, join up and exercise with the wizard! I thought you were a genie. Shut up! Mm. Sign up for a five-year membership with Vic and get a free coffee. And we're back. And we're back. Uh, I had to ask this uh, question for for Taylor. So, this episode is titled Office Feud. Now, had it been the running gag of being titled a Zeppelin title like Led Zeppelin 2 or Zoso, if you got that, would you have asked anybody why is it titled this? Or would you have just been like, I'm just going to go I, with this? Like, I probably <laughs> would not have asked, and I definitely wouldn't wouldn't have known. I would have been like, oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass myself by asking. Isn't that awful? <laughs> good, 
Chris, was there anybody that like came on that was just like, uh, should I ask about why it's titled this? No, or? not that I, not that I know. But you know, when you're writing, you know, the actors, you know, you're not even seeing your guest cast till run through. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, I think with guest cast, unless you know them already, you know, and we were always so tired, you know, like, <laughs> right. like now I'm more like gregarious with actors because I've been around more mm-hmm. and like right. have met more but you know like in our past experience when we work on an animated show mm-hmm. like you know you know and that's also a different kind of gig for an actor right totally right. you show up and it's you, you and show the up and, guy in the director yeah yeah and like you know and they, like they don't have to shower for it so like, <laughs> i always felt they, I always they felt, don't have to shower for the other either actually yeah, exactly. <laughs> but i always felt in my own animation experience that like actors were much more relaxed doing a voice gig Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Because yeah, it is yeah. not literally their ass yeah. the way it is when they're like acting. And there's also just a lot more stop start and let's do yeah. it again. And uh, you know, acting even even though you can cut, it still feels like you're working without a net because there's an audience and lots of times the producers or yeah. the network people are there. And so you you definitely feel I got to get this right. I know there's the joke there and I mm-hmm. I can hear it, but I'm not getting it. And that's right. when you start to sweat and. Then you wish you had showered because you start to say <laughs> Is there more pressure on the fewer lines? Because, I mean, you've got more to fuck up uh, in terms of percentage-wise. Like uh, you know, I don't think so, no. I okay. don't think so. Um, the, 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 the hard part for me is when I know there's a, there's a good joke there and I'm having a hard time, you know, fishing it out and I making see. it work. Uh, th- that's the hardest. Mm-hmm. And whether that's in an audition or on the set, mm-hmm. y- usually it's it's in the audition. Because if you don't get it in the audition, you don't get the job. Right. And if you do get it in the audition, then you often get the job and then you don't have to worry about it because it's a natural, it's it's your natural way of telling that story, whatever that story right. is. Mm-hmm. And it comes out and it works. Although that's I will right. say not always. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you have an actor and you're like, do it the way you did it in the, in the audition. audition. Right. And, but I remember, like, when I worked on Hot in Cleveland, you know, Jane Leaves. Like, our our thing, this was sort of, like, I think already folk r- wisdom and multi. But it was definitely true on Hot in Cleveland, where you felt like you would get one good run-through mm-hmm. of the two. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking about that with her once, and she's like, I always hate it when you do do a good in the first run through when you're happy with it, mm-hmm. because then the second run through you're thinking, how did I do it yesterday? Yeah. And you try oh. and it's in your head, and right. it's in your head. Yeah, yeah. And right. so then you're like, you're like yeah. that. And I said, well, then how come then it's funny on show night? She's like, well, you know, you're too terrified. <laughs> like you can only think about yeah. how to do it. Yeah. You know, it can only think like she said for me. Like, yeah, I'm just doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, but like in run through. Like you're all watching, and like there's a certain amount of like I want to do this right. Yeah, yeah. I think that the bad. that the heightened uh, attention or pressure makes it harder, definitely, and it's easier just to fall on your instincts and do it. Right. Be just be simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there any sort of similar pressure for you, knowing that sometimes you're going to have to rewrite on the night, or do you? I sort of. Well, the thing is, the nice thing which actors don't have is that we're a team. Mm-hmm. One of us gets to has to come up with a line. I see. Yeah. Right. So it's like there's sort of safety in numbers. Actors are a team also with the setup and the punchline, yeah. and I think good good duos yeah. find that. And mm-hmm. and I think the the selfish actor or the un, unaware actor doesn't find that. But mm-hmm. when you're open and giving, 
yeah. you know, the punchline set are the setup punchline, lay the pipe, you know, mm-hmm. boom, boom. And it all works out with a nice rhythm to it. And, mm-hmm. and that is working with the partner. Yeah. And, and good ones find that. And uh, what's funny is, I mean, if, if you, you could have been as prepared as you wanted, if Phil Hartman didn't give, if he wasn't good enough to give you that, to give you the power that your character has over right. him, having right. never appeared before, <laughs> right. like that's, that's uh, a lot of trust. Well, in. you know, there, you know, I don't want to, you know, get into like acting, but you know, the, the, <laughs> I mean, you are uh, an actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feel free. But I'm always thing, interested because yeah. it's so, you know, it, like, it's so like, how do they do that? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's so foreign. To I me. think right. one of the, one of the things is, is, is just put your focus on your partner. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a great saying. I, I, I like to say that if, if you and I do a scene mm-hmm. and I finish the scene and I say to somebody, God, did you see me in that scene? Wasn't I great? The scene probably sucks. Yeah. But if I look at, at you and I say, God, did you did you see Jason? Wasn't he great? Mm-hmm. You know, the way he put his glasses back up on his nose and, and whatever it is, then my attention's on you. Mm-hmm. And the scene's probably pretty good because I'm not watching myself, I'm watching you. Right. And I think the same is true even in comedy. If and you know, one of the great things about someone like Phil is he could do it differently every single time mm-hmm. and still be right. Every yeah, single yeah, yeah, time, yeah. never find an off note, but just find a different shade, a different color. And if you're paying attention and listening, then you can react off of that. And your response will be slightly different also because it's honest to what he's doing mm-hmm. rather than I'm going to I'm going to give my punchline the same way no matter what For sure, yeah. the right. setup was. And I think that's that's the yeah. fun thing about working with someone like Phil right. and the fun thing with working with writers who allow that little bit of freedom within their their work is that, that easier the, to do in front better. of an audience or is it different when you're doing it in front of an audience versus doing it on you know much like easier in front of an audience really? much easier oh yeah. yeah because because you you get the feedback right away okay, sure yeah. right away whether you you know whether it works or not mm-hmm. definitely yeah and there's an energy to the audience like yeah. on like a disjointed show got off we had this arc at the end of the second group with Kathy Bates and Peter Rieger, mm-hmm. who like n- know each other from like New York in the eighties, so okay. they work together. And it's quite an emotional thing, and like the set though is not in front of the audience; it's like next to the audience okay. on the stage. And so we shot it, you know, on sort of the Thursday, like not in front of the audience because it's a difficult and emotional scene. Mm-hmm. And they were great. And then they said, "We are we are doing this tomorrow." Because mm-hmm. we were like, well, we got it. And they're like, no, we really want to do it in front of an audience because they're stage actors. Right. Yeah. Right. And so they just want to be able to feel that. I get that. Yeah. You know, and you know what's hard about that, though, is on sitcoms, uh, the audience is, is separated from the actors. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, the actors and then cameras and then a space. Yep. And then the audience is, is sitting up. And so there's a little bit of a delay. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of them watch it on camera. Yeah. And so there's a little bit of a delay. Yeah, yeah. And... And a delay in their response coming back to you. Mm-hmm. And that's hard a little bit, I, I th- think. Yeah. And I think it's hard, too, when you have actors who aren't used to multi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, because it is, like, once you've done it, like, you're sort of expected and you're kind of used to it. Mm-hmm. And also those scenes that you're on a stage where you're suiting and it's sort of away from the audience. Because mm-hmm. if you're right in front of the audience, I think that energy is different right. than, like, you're in a scene that yeah like, you're in the garage which yeah, is off to the side yeah you're, even, set, you're right. next to the audience so right. they're watching off the monitor yeah and like on a lot of shows you will actually probably shoot those scenes the day before mm-hmm. you'll pre-shoot those scenes because that is so weird yes that it's like you're better off especially with that with it you know 
if you have like a guest actor or somebody who's like not familiar with it okay. you're better off pre-shooting that it makes your night shorter mm-hmm. with your audience night shorter that scene like and the audience isn't going to enjoy it as much because even though they almost all of them watch the monitors yes mm-hmm. they do like seeing it in front of them for and sure it's a different for them it's i mean right? it's hard whenever i've gone to see a, a sitcom yeah. get shot i've freaking hate i i frankly hate that there are monitors yeah. because i do find myself doing that and i hate when i can't see them in front of me it just drives me nuts yeah no it's i don't weird. have any interest it's weird for, it's yeah. weird for all concerned yeah so, yeah no you would always tend to shoot those and yeah and also it's a long night mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no I, even just for audience but i can't imagine if you're again the pressure of being a writer or anybody on set having to wait for a change or having to make a change that oh well that's sort of but that's like the job you get used to i mean mm-hmm. also like you know, we have like sort of, you know, altered our personalities so that mm-hmm. we come up with jokes, you know, right. like that's what makes us weirdos uh-huh. is uh-huh. that we <laughs> do that. So, you know, and then some, like some writers like it more than others, you know, but it's just like you're just pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, good. And I like, you know, often like Dave would have a pitch. Right. Mm-hmm. They say so, that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as an actor, I like that. I, yeah. I like things changing on the day mm-hmm. uh, uh, because it keeps it kind of fresh. Yeah. Okay. And shows uh, are yeah, shows yeah. are different about that. Like, yeah. um, like on Frasier, they Frasier only if a joke tanked would you do a new line. Like right. that was okay. that was generally not. It was not a culture of like, you know, we need something new for take two. But that was also a thing where like. You know, because I got there, we got there in the seventh season, so mm-hmm. I don't know if it was different earlier. Well, they were so great, but I mean, that and that was a so show great, that right. was like two takes, boom, moving yeah. on, wow. moving yeah. on, okay. like you were done in three hours or yeah. so. Okay, and yeah. also because they were so you know nailing, that's a small cast, so it's you know I think that helped too that they were yeah. so used to playing. Out I did a a show with Mike Binder uh, called Mind of the Married Man, right? And we often had uh, stand-ups come in and play smaller characters on the on the show and they would often throw out lines for everybody else and that yeah. was really fun okay yeah and mike was one of those guys who really believed in hey man the best line wins the best joke yeah. wins mm-hmm. and so we would often and and there's no no audience there that was a one yeah. camera mm-hmm. show and so there was no pressure and uh, that, yeah. and we also i think had eight days to shoot a half hour show wow i was Holy it was shit. really it was it was beautiful i mean we just like I mean, wow. maybe it was only should, seven days you, but. but still like you should have done like car chases yeah it was like it was really a pleasure that's yeah. an hour yeah time Schedule, totally yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. nuts yeah do you it's have, like 45 they, minutes a day. They also <laughs> did not fit into that. You know, the show had to be 22, 26 right, minutes. Right, yeah, no, because the show could be out, right? 30 yeah. minutes, 32 minutes, 28 minutes. And, yeah. you know, so whatever worked, worked. Right. And whatever yeah. didn't work, they would just cut it. Yeah. Do you have a favorite joke out of this episode? I just want to make sure I cover that. This episode, I just feel like that first rocket fuel thing, probably because Sam wrote it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about writing with a partner. You know, I mean, I don't even know what it would be like to write by myself because, mm-hmm. like, we've like written together the whole career. Mm-hmm. But one of the nice things, and I remember hearing an interview with the Whites Brothers, mm-hmm. and like, and they write separately. You know, it's like I'll take this scene and you take that scene, okay. or something like that. I see. And one of them was saying on some interview, it's like, you know, I'm having a bad day writing, but I know my brother is doing. Then, but I feel like my brother's gonna is like you. So you're not so down. Mm-hmm. And I think with me and Sam, it's a similar thing because usually like we'll split up a script and then we'll like give then go over what each has written okay and so i feel like 
you know, it's like, oh, you know, there's going to be some really good Sam jokes coming. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to write this scene that good. You know, it's just like Sam will fix it. Yeah. And there's a certain, and I don't know if he feels the same way, but I'm going to say he does because he's not here. Um, but he just does. like, but I, you know, I know there's obviously like, you know, Sam makes me laugh. So like just that first bit, you know, I just remember like reading it mm-hmm. and like, I just like really, it's just like, there's like, I really enjoy that. I don't know how many years it was before I knew that Dill's Newfus was doofus that I even made yeah. the connection. I was an idiot. But also, like, the other thing, because the other thing <laughs> in that story, that. <laughs> because it was so remarkable to me, like, that thing where, like, we write one line and Paul, like, boom, 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 boom. Uh-huh. And just, like, you know, I would serve it, you know, I would serve it at a garden party or, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. things like that. I remember reading, because I think that was, like, in Paul's, response mm-hmm. you know it was like a two-page response to uh, one sentence uh-huh. and i think it, like so that awesome. line was in there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so like and so like i just remember reading that for the first time yeah and so it's not even so much the performances i also remember like i think maura was like shooting so, like maura wasn't around that week right which is well, why she was not that, that yeah so she was yeah so like so that's why that story is like oh, that okay. right mm-hmm. Yeah, and also like I had forgotten that story was in there. I was like, that is very characteristic of Paul to focus on the White House Easter egg role. Uh huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like like doing a parody Mark Russell character. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like that uh-huh. also seemed that was that actually could have been any any of us, but I think it was Paul. I think mm-hmm. Paul wrote that. That makes right, sense. Like wrote the songs. Mm-hmm. Did you have a question? I'm sorry, I thought you did for a second. Oh, no, no. All right then. Guess what? That was my screw up. Um, <laughs> well. You know what? Uh, this has been super incredibly fun, and I don't know when this is going to come out, but I wanted you to both, if there's anything to promote or tell people where you are on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Taylor, why don't you go first? Um, I am on Twitter. Uh-huh. I, I hardly ever use it, I hate to say, but That's I'm fine. at Taylor underscore Nichols 7. Okay. Uh, because there's a guy in Alabama named Taylor Nichols who got everything. He oh, got no. he got my oh. website, my Twitter, oh, my early adopter. Totally, it was really it's really a bummer, right. and he and he's kind of a racist too. It's like oh, a no. little bit strange. So, no, uh, as a son of, as you. a son-in-law of no. the South, my wife is from Tennessee. Um, Taylor Nichols is an extremely southern southern Canadian. name, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, my my family is from North North Carolina, and mm-hmm. that's where Taylor comes from. Right. It's a family name. Yeah, no, because my wife my wife has a family reunion in Brownsville, Tennessee which is near Nutbush, where Tina Turner is from, and um, that they've had since the 1840s. That's a Methodist camp. That started as a Methodist camp meeting. They stuff church all the time. But the guy who started it, the Reverend Howell Terrell, Taylor, mm-hmm. so like everyone is named Taylor. Everyone's right, first crap. name is named Taylor. Yeah. Wow. I, I was the only every... Taylor when I was growing up, yeah. and now every 13-year-old girl yeah. is Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's a great, there's a great Fraser joke that I always liked, like Daphne's pregnant the last season, and like Dave, like David is sort of like on the phone with her. He's like, "Okay, Cooper, mm-hmm. Sawyer, mm-hmm. you know, Ted." It's like, and it's like, "Where are you getting this? The big book of medieval professions?" <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, okay? So we can find you on on Twitter. Yeah, Taylor, Taylor underscore Nichols, 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 Nichols seven. Okay, don't follow the Alabama Taylor. <laughs> nope. Exactly. No, Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and I do have a movie coming out. Um, awesome. Um, Chappaquiddick. 
uh-huh. uh, which oh, wow. is really great. Uh, Jason Clark plays uh, Ted Kennedy. Okay. And Bruce oh. Dern is Joe Kennedy, and Ed right. Helms and Jim Gaffigan are in it. Wow. And I, wow. I have a nice spot in it, and it's a it's a really interesting movie. John Curran directed it, mm-hmm. and Don't we shot it in Boston. Pardon? Don't spoil the end. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it, but is it? It's a it's a very good take on the story and the, and the movie's good I think I think it's going to open in April so wow okay that's, yeah. that's looking forward to it nobody's nice. ever made a movie about that I guess that's a, that sounds fascinating uh, Chris how about you uh, I'm on Twitter as Chris Marshall Easy all enough. one word yes uh, I'm not on a ton and then Sam is on Twitter as uh, Sweet Jacket all one word mm-hmm. um, and we wrote this like long 52 part Serial on Medium mm-hmm. that you can find uh, if you uh, search for Dear Glenn. Okay, and it's like just a bunch of emails from this like, like uh, you know, mid thirties guy who saves his uh, freshman year roommate's life at their fifteenth reunion or tenth reunion. I can't remember. And uh, and decides to sort of get back in touch with him. So he writes a bunch of emails, and then it winds up being a whole adventure. And things like that. And uh, we are trying to turn that into a book. Awesome. Cool. So, uh, and so, yeah. So otherwise we're, you know, we're free and easy. I'm happy to go on a great life on anyone's podcast. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Well, um, let me say really quick. It was a pleasure to do the show a long time ago. Yeah. Really nice to meet you. Yeah. So likewise. Thank you for doing this and and bringing us together because, uh, you know, so often as an actor, you show up on a set and you don't meet all the writers. Oh, yeah, sure. There's so so many of us. And it's such a brief time. And the writers are very (laughs) (laughs) antisocial. You know, it's just like if they were if. Like they had social skills, they wouldn't have been writers. <laughs> so, but that's the thing as like I have gone along in this career where it's just like you know now I'm not so scared of the actors. Sure. Right. So I like chat and like and, you know have met more of them, mm-hmm. so I can chat a little more. Uh, Jen, do you have anything you want to promote? Hmm. She always thinks about it. Yeah. She puts some good thought into it. Um, man, come back, come back to we'll me. Come back to you. Oh, I have one more thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. Which is why, even though it, it came out, uh, like two years ago, my wife wrote an excellent novel uh-huh. called Be Frank With Me. That was a Los Angeles Times bestseller. Awesome. Under, oh, wow. under her own name, Julia Claiborne Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, which is a book. Uh, it's about a, uh, a, um, odd little boy who wears like tails and is, obsessed with like old you know like musicals from the 30s and 40s and his adventure with his like mother and babysitter in Los that's Angeles. up my alley ah, that's sounds awesome. yeah, yeah be frank with me that's any awesome. quality independent bookstore such as skylight and las Vegas. Right. awesome jen did you think of anything yeah um you know uh if you can go out of your way to include someone in something that maybe uh if they're new or they're not familiar with something you've been doing a long time, it's like, see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Just include uh, somebody in your own stuff. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Jen always does the unselfish promotion yeah, on, on the right. show, so it's always helpful. Alan, what, what's your selfish promotion? Well, I'll be very selfish. Yeah. Uh, you go to my uh, website uh, with uh, my all agent contact and manager contact for all your acting pleasure needs uh, at 
www.alanrickert.com. Uh, I had a rave review from Paul Sims last time. Mm-hmm. Although sarcastic, I'm still going to take it. Uh, <laughs> As you should. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You can follow. That feels familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it, though? <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at uh, Taylor Nichols One. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Alan Rickert, uh, same thing, and uh, Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> I'm the idiot whose names are different everywhere you go. Twitter, it's J Klom, J K L A M M. Instagram, I'm barely on there, but that's at Jason Klom. Same spelling of the last name. Uh, go to JasonKlom.com or go to StolenDress.com. That's where all my friggin' three weekly podcasts I do are. Or uh, check out Celery Sound Records, which is my uh, independent comedy record label at uh, bit.ly forward slash comedy albums. That's about it. Um, thank you guys Can again. I compliment thank you, thank you guys? Because unusually for a podcast, you guys have excellent voices. Oh, well, yeah. thank you. Well, thank a you. lot of times yeah. it really I mean, is. Thank you, thank you a lot so of much. Memorabilia. Yeah, oh exactly. A I lot mean, of times it really is like sort of listening to like the community college radio station <laughs> of these guys. <laughs> and, you know. I'll take it. What's yeah. wrong with doing community college right now? It's yeah. fine. I understand. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, my son, my son went to PCC. So, uh-huh. you know, I know whereof I speak. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now let's play some spin doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The spin doctors. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why do I think that's just coming up? Women's women's lacrosse. (laughs) (laughs) All right, do we have one more thing to say? Yeah, I think we do. That's catch Catch you later, B cakes. Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Alan Rickard and Jason Klom, and our theme song was composed and performed by Michael Warden. Have questions? Call and leave us a voicemail at 646-801-WNYX or email us at freakzilla at scopenet.com. Please subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio. Visit stolendress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Big day today, Dave. <laughs>